you you do you go big or go home you do everything big. i do but i need to stop that shit <laughs> like, no. i'm telling you like you can we can ask our, we can ask our listeners like i need a support group because let me tell you there's a couple things i need to do better number one i gotta label stuff because i'm over <laughs> here with like five different kinds of melons and people are like oh that's beautiful what is that i don't know i don't know because at the time <laughs> i was like whatever do you have a black thumb are you wondering what the word horticulture means are you a little bit seedy a little shady do you stand in the garden and wonder, what the f*** am I doing? Do you look at people's yards and wonder, what the f*** are they doing? If so, this podcast is for you, no matter your gardening experience level. I'm Shannon. And I'm Marcella, two friends who like to laugh and learn our way through life and gardening. Tune in as we interview some awesome people who talk to us about their love for plants, trees, gardens, bugs, and more. Welcome to CD and Shady AF, a sketchy gardening podcast. Okay. Hi, family, our lovely peas in the pod. So Marcella and I did our intro, but we weren't recording. So now we're recording. <laughs> now we're recording again. And then I so... couldn't find my headphones. And then I found, it's, it's been a lot. Um, it's been a lot. <laughs> as, as always, we're going through the most to try to bring you this episode, but it's fine. We're going to, we're going to get it. We're going to get it together. Yes. So Marcella, can you tell the guest a little bit what we're going to be talking about today? Yes. So on the show today, we have Nancy Harity, who has a business where she coaches um, successful women. Um, but on the side, she also gardens. The thing that I really liked about Nancy's um, episode is that it's kind of coming at a really a really good time for I think a lot of gardeners especially right now um in central Texas where it's like 110 degrees every day um it was really cool because Nancy's episode is all about how she bought this house she moved in thinking she wasn't going to have grass but she ended up with this English ivy and it just turned out to how how she kind of turned that backyard around and the lessons she learned about it and so I think that's very that's very timely right now because so many of us are dealing with backyards maybe just me when I say so many of us I mean <laughs> meaning just me who planted literally like 50 plants and are trying to keep them alive and right now trying to figure out like why why I thought that was a good idea like today I almost had a nervous breakdown because I have like literally 500 tomatoes <laughs> I was gonna say do you want to tell the listeners what's going on with your garden right now <laughs> that is what's going on I have 500 tomatoes and literally like I know a million cucumbers and like another hundred thousand melons it seems like and I am trying to figure out how to pressure can them via the internet and talking to my husband in Canada and a, a neighbor felt bad for me and came to help me it's it's a lot I you know we might do a whole episode about this but uh yes <laughs> not to bore you any longer let's go ahead and get started <laughs> with our wonderful episode with Nancy you know, first and foremost, can you give us a little bit of background about who you are and then how your gardening journey began? Well, my name is Nancy Harity. I am the owner of What If Transformation, a coaching business. I, I work with high energy women who may have found themselves in a position where they're feeling stuck in life. Maybe the job's not going so great. They didn't get the promotion they wanted. They're feeling overlooked, not heard. It might be a, similar at home, but I help people bust out of those ruts and be able to move forward in the direction that they want to, to get what they want out of life. My journey with gardening began when my husband and I bought our house. We have this beautiful mid-century modern house in Virginia. 
And we thought we were scoring big. We looked at the pictures and we're like, oh, it must border a park. Uh, no, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> actually, we're on a corner. We have roads on two sides of our triangle shaped yard. There isn't a single blade of grass. We're like, wow, this is going to be awesome. We're not ever going to have any yard work to do. This, this is going to be even better than, than living in the townhouse because it'll just be so, we won't have to do anything in the yard. It'll just take care of itself. <laughs> um, wrong. Our yard is about a third of an acre and we have more trees than I can count. So, so you described your 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 yard as being your personal forest of trees, bushes, and ground cover, and I'm like imagining Narnia, you know, or something. <laughs> yeah, well, so, some days it feels like that, you know. It, um, mm -hmm. you know, so we have a lot of trees, old, you know, tall trees, you know, they're like 40, 50 year old trees, and then we have a bunch of bushes, and then ground cover. So ground cover that you know we got a little bit of pachysandra, we've got leropi. We had a whole bunch of English ivy oh, and that sounds itchy. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, no, let's not mistake English ivy for poison ivy. Okay. So, okay. so English ivy doesn't make you itch. And I used to love it. I thought it was like the prettiest thing imaginable. In fact, mm -hmm. for my first wedding, I had English ivy in my bridal bouquet. Oh, wow. But then I became a homeowner with <laughs> ivy in my yard. And then I learned what a pain in the behind it is because it'll go take over everything. It's the bully of the plants. It, it, everything that, that's planted around it, it'll just grow over it. It'll grow up your trees and kill your trees if you let it. So and when you talk about English ivy, I'm, I'm imagining the stuff that you see on the outside of walls at like Ivy League schools. Like, is that what we're talking yes, about? Like yes, the, yes. Kind yes. of the, the green lush kind of flowing, it kind of travels ivy. Yes. Okay, yes. but this stuff is all over your yard. Yeah, so it's it was a popular ground cover in the 40s and 50s. It was considered the height of sophistication. Huh, and it was okay. it was easy to care for. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it would come in, but it, you know, it's an invasive species where I live. And so it just takes over. But that's not the worst part. The worst part is is it can hold just a little bit of water, just enough for mosquitoes to grow in it. You're not being itchy because you're rolling around in the ivy and, and getting mulch on your skin like you would if you were doing that in poison ivy. You're getting itchy because you're getting all those stupid mosquito bites. And you and the listeners can't see my face right now. I'm looking at Marcella's face and then my face. And I have this look of just imagining me being bitten by a thousand mosquitoes every time I walk outdoors. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it can really be like that. If, 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 you know, if you're like me, I get these awful angry welts when mosquitoes bite me. And not I a fun it. time. Yeah, not a fun time. And so I'm curious because you mentioned that your gardening journey kind of started when you and your husband purchased this home. Um, how much did you know about gardening kind of going into your journey? How were you able to identify like what the species was and, you know, what it was doing to the, to the plants in your yard? Like how, how did that all come about? So how did I learn about that stuff? Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's, let's, let me think about this a little bit. So this isn't like gardening vegetables, right? And it isn't like planting flowers. Mm -hmm. um, so what I, I learned, I've, I've read a bunch of stuff online. I've taken some time to learn about, there's a great website in Virginia about native Virginia plants, what you can buy and what you can plant and what you might want to remove mm -hmm. as, as you build or as you plant things that are more friendly and um, native to the area because they'll flourish. Right. Um, 
so that that was part of how I got into it. But then I got to know my neighbor. My next door neighbor was a school teacher and she's super smart about this stuff. When I have questions, I go over and I knock on her door. Hey, can you tell me about this? How do I take care of that? <laughs> so Is when this you a weed? <laughs> so actually we were just talking about weeds. Um, so we'll come back to that. But so when you moved into the house and you thought, okay, this is going to be great. We don't have any grass. And then you discovered that we have this ivy kind of everywhere. So what made you, was there something in mind that you thought, all right, we have this ivy, we have all these bushes, we have these trees. Did you have, a, like you talked about being transformative in the work that you do. Were you mm -hmm. planning on transforming this land into any sort of landscape? Is that no. kind of what got you? No, no, not at all. Because the, not the people we bought from had only owned the house a few years. So they didn't really do anything with it. But the people who had it before them, they had the house for almost 25 years. And they wow. did a fantastic job with the landscaping. I, you know, I even met the couple, they're friends with one of my neighbors. And so she had them over after we moved in and they walked the yard with us and they told us what the different things were and answered a whole bunch of my other questions about, okay, you know, can, when you trim this stuff down, how often, what time of year, because some plants are sensitive. You trim them at the wrong time of year and they don't come back from it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I've done that before where yeah. I've trimmed my bushes to death. And uh, I haven't been able to do that with anything in this yard yet, though. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it, like, it's all invasive or, you know, just indestructible or they're just all immune to um, a novice's efforts. But um, yeah, so I, we just kind of learned some of that stuff from all of them. And, and we're just trying to maintain what's mm -hmm. here, you know, because when you plant something, whether you plant a garden, flowers, vegetables, bushes, you plant trees in your yard, you do your landscaping, you know, it's kind of sparse that first year mm -hmm. and that second year and that third year as the plants get acclimated to where they're at and then they start growing and how big is too big? You know, sure. what, what happens? How do you know when a bush is too big? How do you know that a tree is too big? Right. How do you know that you need to thin the herd of the flowering plants? Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and so that's all we're trying to do here now is, is to take the beautiful base that is here in our yard mm -hmm. and maintain it in a way that honors what's been done, that keeps the invasives down and, you know, even improve on it. So like with the English ivy, I'm going to come back to that because this English <laughs> ivy was like everywhere. And, and so I, I read up on it online because I wanted to enjoy my yard. I didn't want to go out and be bit by mosquitoes all the time. But sure. by the same token, I didn't want to have Mosquito Joe come by and, and kill all the stuff that I, I'd like to have in my yard. Right. So I have a couple of neighbors in my immediate vicinity who are pollinator friendly yards and they're certified as such. And so you don't want to be the, the, that person who's killing everything because you have to spray mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. So that first spring, my husband and I moved in about four years ago today. In fact, I saw that pop in my Facebook feed <laughs> and so that first spring we got out and I started pulling the English ivy up and I learned that you had to pull it out by the roots and you really got to get aggressive with it because that stuff will come back. So mm -hmm. anyhow, we have this hill, we're on this hill. I pull out the English ivy, like all, the English ivy and everything for about a third of the hill. I had no plan. I'm just like, the English ivy's got to go. 
That's how I that approach was, most of my gardening is no plan, no plan here. Just yeah, we'll no see plan. what happens. There's, there's, there's no plan here. So, so I pull the English ivy and everything about a third in a heavily shaded part of my, my yard. So the good news is, is it wasn't overrun by weeds before I figured out something to do with it, which I did this year. Mm -hmm. I I've, uh, was out at a garden um, show at uh, River Farms, which is where the American Horticulture Society is headquartered. And a guy had ferns and he had ferns cheap because normally when you go to the, you go to Lowe's or Home Depot or anywhere else like that, they have tons of plants to plant in the sun, but they mm -hmm. have very little to offer you for the shade. Mm -hmm. And so I saw these ferns, the price was right. I got to talking to the guy. I'm like, Hey, I got like this huge area, you know, will you be back next year? And he's like, I'll do you one better. You know what? I have a ton of these ferns. I want part of my yard back. And then later in the spring, I went and I got more. So all told from this guy, I got 50, 60 fern plants. Wow. That's wow. A that's a lot of ferns. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of ferns and you think it'd be like all crammed up on each other, but no. Mm -hmm. So we planted them. It looked good for a couple of weeks. And then I thought you were uh, going to say years. You no, no. Cause, okay. cause this was only the spring. So okay, hopefully okay. From, from what I've been told about ferns, if they're happy and they know it, and they get you know enough water, they'll just take over. It's better than the English ivy because they are native plant. They're not the invasives. So the other third of the hill, the next third of the hill, I only pulled up the English ivy. And so then the vinca major with the vines that kind of go and kind of populate off, that stuff started to flourish. And so the second spring, I had a lot of little pretty periwinkle blue flowers in, on that part of the hill. So then the rest of it, I just sort of left to its own devices because it was an experiment, wanted to see what would happen. If you pull back the English ivy and you leave whatever is, else is there under it, that can come up and have an opportunity to live once the English mm -hmm. ivy is gone. That is what I would recommend. If you're going to get rid of the English ivy, pull it up by the roots, be aggressive about it, and leave all the other plants be as best you can. You'll be surprised with what comes up. It won't be that same year. It'll probably be the next year, but you'll, you'll have some good stuff come up. Your, your yard will look different. And, and if you're lucky, it might be a ground cover. If you're not lucky, well, maybe it's something you can work with. I was just going to ask with the English Ivy, like how did it get there? Was it something that was planted or, or, mm -hmm. okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 So like I said, in the forties and fifties, everybody thought that English Ivy uh, was the thing. Let's, okay. let's get it. Let's plant it. It'll, it's cheap. <laughs> it's easy. It'll take mm -hmm. over. We won't have to do anything with it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not entirely true. You do need to trim it back if you want trails, if you don't want it to take mm -hmm. over your driveway and things like that. While it might look good growing up the side of your house, I wouldn't recommend it because it kind of burrows in and it, it can loosen your bricks or if you're like a wood house, it can rot the wood. Well, you described the ferns that you planted and then you have some of the English ivy left. And, I, and to me, it still sounds a little bit like Narnia. All you need is like three kids and a talking lion. And I think yeah, you'll maybe. be good to go. <laughs> So what are, some, what are some of the broader lessons that you've learned in the process of how to care for a yard with no grass? Uh, it's, it's not easy. That, that, that would, would be the number one thing. The thing that where I thought we weren't going to have any work to do and that this was going to be super easy, not true for most of the time, you know, like in the fall, everybody wants to rake the leaves to get them off the grass so the grass can do its thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't rake in the fall. If anything, we rake the stuff off the patio and we just kind of put it all on the hill and it just kind of mulches everything. That has a lot of benefits for the environment because now my leaves aren't clogging the drains for the sewers. Mm -hmm. My leaves are, they don't really blow away because there's tons of stuff to hold them down. 
it returns nutrients to the soil for the plants that I actually want there, provides ground cover for small animals. If you like butterflies, if you rake your leaves, all the little caterpillars go with your leaves and then the butterflies aren't hanging out. Oh, I didn't know that. That makes sense. In your yard. All the caterpillars, they go with the leaves. Yeah. You don't know, you don't realize it, but that's what happens. If you want the good stuff, you gotta leave, you gotta, you gotta leave it a little nature-like. Right. Humans aren't fully intervening here. And my husband loves, um, loves butterflies and such, and I am scared of caterpillars. So that's how this relationship goes. (laughs) (laughs) So he's trying to save them. And I just want somebody to take them someplace else to a different home. You know, the the good thing about caterpillars is they're not going to bite you. They're not going to slime you. They're just doing their thing. And and they really, they're not human motivated. You know, they're not looking to suck your blood like a mosquito is. Oh, yes, definitely. That's the same thing my husband said. He says, why are you afraid of a caterpillar? And I'm like, why are you not afraid of a caterpillar? (laughs) (laughs) They're so creepy looking. (laughs) Well, they're creepy looking or they're really cute. It depends on your point of view. (laughs) That is true. That's valid. That's valid. There's, you know, I'm gathering, there's just this common theme, um, you know, that I'm learning in gardening. It's like a little bit of practicing acceptance involved. And that's kind of what I'm, what I'm, what I'm kind of hearing you say, like you were saying, you have to take some of the good with the bad, um, Mm -hmm. To get that, the outcome you want. <clears throat> that that's so true. And and, and you got to work with the land, you know. Look, I I could be an idiot and cut down everything in my yard and have a super sunny yard. But you know what? Everybody has one. A, a shade yard is a lot more challenging mm-hmm. for uh, in a lot of respects because it's hard to to go places and buy the plants. You got to buy a lot of that stuff out of catalogs or get cuttings from your neighbors or you know really search for sources. Like I did, like I happened to meet that guy mm-hmm. who, who hooked me up with the fern. Yeah. And, and, and you have to figure out how much, how much you want to put into it. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I could be crazy and I could be meticulous and I could be out there every flipping day, pulling weeds, digging stuff up and rearranging it. And yeah, no, I'm just not. <laughs> Hi there. Seed in the shade here with some interesting facts about ferns. Ferns are one of the oldest plant species on Earth. They grew on our planet even before the emergence of the first dinosaurs. Since then, they have not even decreased too much in terms of species diversity. As today, there are between 10 and 15,000 species of polypodiopsida, or fern-like plants. Ferns do not reproduce by developing flowers and seeds. Instead, they produce spores on the underside of the leaves, which are distributed by the winds. And while on the topic of leaves, ferns don't actually have those either. What we see as leaves are actually a set of branches fused in one plane. Those organs are called fronds. Some species of fern release toxic substances into the air directly around them that act as herbicides. In this way, the fern destroys the plants closest to them and clears living space for itself. And for this reason, you might think twice about having a fern for a neighbor. Until next time. Talk a little bit about um, about kind of creating an ecosystem and about the ground cover and the different uh, small animals that utilize that. So I know you had talked a little bit about wildlife that comes into your, your yard. What kind of wildlife do you have? Where I live, we have tons of deer and they're pretty brazen. Like they are yes. brave. They just will come knock on your door basically and go in your refrigerator. I mean, yeah. that's how 
breeds in the yard? What kind of animals do you contend with in your yeah, yard? So, so deer are, are pretty, um, we have deer in our neighborhood. So something to, to, to tell you about my subdivision that I live in. It was kind of an experiment in the 50s. You know, we have this mid-century modern architecture, these houses that are like floor-to-ceiling windows, three out of your four walls, no fences. Oh. So our yards just kind of blend into one another. It's like living in a park. It's really beautiful. It really does allow the animals to roam. So we have deer. I don't see them all the time, but they come in my year or in my yard at least once a day. We have a trail. And I can tell when they've been through, there's some things they like to eat. I could be obsessive. I could wrap my stuff up in green eco fence and stuff like that, that deer mesh. I don't do that. The deer need to eat too. Mm. And there are worse things to have. So we have deer. We have boxes. We have raccoons. In fact, when the arborists were working in my trees, they're like, did you know that you have raccoons in your tree? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Are they killing the tree? No. Okay. Whatever. They can stay. Okay. Um, Didn't know raccoons lived in trees. So, so just, I learned a lot. Trees. <laughs> <laughs> Did not know that. Yes, we, raccoons will live in trees. They'll dig and live. I, in another house we had, we had them, um, they lived under our front porch. We had like a duck front porch. We had raccoons that lived under it. Uh, the foxes will do the same thing. I haven't had those live on any of my properties. We have chipmunks. I'm not quite sure where those little buggers live. I think it's like holes in the ground. So um, two, two things. I thought that raccoons lived in trash cans like Oscar the Grouch. That is not correct, apparently. And no, that's where they go to eat. And I just assumed that they lived there. And no. the first time I ever saw a chipmunk, it was actually quite funny because uh, my husband was like, oh, it's a chipmunk. And so like, I thought that chipmunks were like human size, like Alvin, Simon, and Theodore. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. So I did not realize that chipmunks were really small. So now even people say the word chipmunk, I imagine like a, a, a lady sized chipmunk, like a five foot chipmunk. <laughs> But that, your listener is not, they're tiny. Hold them in your hand. We were misled as children to think that they were my size. Yes, Yes, that that is very true. And that they're sweet because I don't have this problem in this yard, but in that, in the house where I had the raccoons that lived under the porch, that was outside of Chicago. One fall, I I wanted a whole bunch of daffodils and tulips. Mm -hmm. I planted a hundred bulbs. Wow. The chipmunks sat on my front stoop and ate them. One by one. Probably in front of your face, just in the yep. broad daylight. Just to be yes, spiteful. They, 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 yeah. they earned a nickname that isn't family friendly, so I won't use it here. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm learning from this discussion that number one, chipmunks are not human size and they also are not great singers. They don't like sing fun songs to you. No, no. They just and eat your daffodils of anything. They'll, they'll eat your, your tulip and daffodil bulbs. They think those are just <laughs> sounds like you've learned a lot in, in your experience, obviously no, no great feat of this size, you know, of, of having such a, such a nice yard and garden comes without some failure or some lessons learned. So I'm wondering, how do you stay encouraged whenever things like these chipmunks come and eat your, your tulips and daffodils or the, the deer come and eat the things that they eat or, you know, how, how do you stay encouraged? We're not the only things on this planet. Humans don't own the planet. We have to coexist with nature. Mm-hmm. And, and it's for our health benefit too. I mean, I mean, that's hard to, to tell when you're seeing deer walking through your yard, eating your flowers. But, you know, on the other hand, it's good to give them something to eat and to coexist with them. When we moved into this house, we had a long black snake and I saw it sun in itself under my car one day and I freaked out, freaked out. 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, this is horrible. Well, it moved. It, it didn't want to be my friend. So that was cool. <laughs> and it moved. And I was able to get in my car and go run my errands that day. But I thought about it. I'm like, oh man, the snake thing. This just, oh, this is awful. This is the worst. Mm-hmm. But then I found a mouse in my washing machine. Oh. And then I started thinking about it. And I'm like, you know what? Snakes are cool. (laughs) (laughs) Snakes can live in my yard anytime (laughs) because they'll eat those little mice before they come into my house. And I think it's really important to remember that, you know, when, especially when we're talking about wild animals that, you know, everything has a purpose. And so definitely if you have the snakes and you don't really have the mice. Yeah, that part all works out. We have these little gecko things that if you've ever um, lived in Hawaii or gone there, you, you see like those little gecko things, right? And they're like mm-hmm. all over the joint. They'll come running out of the filing cabinets and crazy. I, you know, I had one that came out of my toaster one day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know, right? He, that I would have been done. I'm telling yeah. you, I would I would have been like- You could have taken the whole toaster, toaster yeah. with them. <laughs> it's fine. Well, by, by the time that happened, I knew that they were pretty harmless. But I have, there. there's a similar thing called, I think they're called like blue skanks or something like that. But anyhow, that's what I have living under my porch now. They're just kind of fun to watch run around. They too don't like people. They, they just run. But they eat mosquitoes. They eat oh. other bugs. So, you know, they're cool. We have all kinds of birds. They eat the bugs. They're cool. Mm-hmm. We have squirrels. I'm not really sure what they eat besides the bird <laughs> seed I put out and anything dead that they happen to find. It turns out that they are, they're rodents too. I never really knew that, but birds will fly into your house because yes, they that happens quite a bit and, around in yeah, my house. Yeah. And bees so, as well. Bees fly into the, yes, into the glass doors. Yes. And so we had this bird that, that flew into the house. It died. It was sitting on our deck. We left it go for a day because it was cold out and we didn't feel like going out there to get it. You know, like the next day, we're just sitting there, we're watching the birds at the feeder. The squirrel comes up, grabs the bird, bites the head off the dead bird. And we're like, what? They do that? We had to look that up on the internet because we're like, <laughs> we, we had no idea. Did you say, what, what what is happening here? That would have been my response. Yeah, we're like, squirrels eat dead birds? Wow. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a real gross realization. I have a fat squirrel that lives in my yard. His name is Chonky. And I've never seen him eat a bird, but I have seen him try to steal food from the cats. It's quite comical. Mm-hmm. I've seen him drink water out of the bee bath. I've seen him blatantly eat a walnut while sitting on my pak choy in a container. So, you know, he thinks he owns the joint. Yeah, they kind of do. <laughs> so can you yeah. give us an example of a gardening fail of yours that was so big that you were like, I'm done? Well, that hill. After I pulled the music out of the like, Okay, um, mission accomplished. Now what? I, I have a hill of mud. Hmm. Now what do I do? Mm-hmm. What do I plant there? Right. What do That's I want to do with this hill? Yeah, right. And it took me a couple of years to figure it out. And, and when I found the ferns, I'm like, that's what I want. I want a fern garden. That's going to be awesome. And I'm really hoping it is going to be as awesome as I think come next spring when, when everything yeah. comes back. Well, we'll have yeah. to get some photos of what things look like in your garden for now so we can sure. definitely post them for the listeners to see. That sounds sure. really exciting. Do you have an example of a, of a gardening success that was so huge that you said, you know, I'm all in? Hiring the tree guys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) but but seriously you know trees are a big investment Mm -hmm. even if you just plant a little tree they grow to be big trees so you don't want to plant them too close to your house Mm -hmm. when you have them in your yard and they get big as my smart next door neighbor told me she's like you know nancy one day my insurance company called me and they told me they were going to raise my insurance rates unless i got my tree trimmed oh wow 
And I'm like, really, tell me more. Trees get big. They end up having these big branches. When you have houses that are made of wood, one bad storm, a big branch can come and take out a good portion of your house. So those big limbs kind of need to go. So I had the arborist come out and I had, actually I had several because I wanted to see who knew what and kind of get a feel for how much it, it takes to, to kind of keep a tree pruned properly so that, that, so that it can have a long and healthy life. I had several large branches in various parts of my yard. There was one that was going over my house. Mm-hmm. There was one that was going over the power lines. There was one that was going over the neighbor's house. And if you've ever had to deal with your insurance companies, and I don't care how good they are because you've had some sort of loss in your house. Mm-hmm. Believe me, it's a lot easier to write a check to write a check to the tree guy than to deal with the insurance <laughs> company if something happens. So yeah. that's what we did the first year was we, we kind of, we got the things all shaped up the way that they needed to be. Mm-hmm. And we had some big limbs removed and, and that was a total win. I mean, that's, that's one of those things where I could have said, you know what, let me learn about this. Mm-hmm. But then you start thinking about it. I can't reach the top of the trees. Right. I don't have a ladder that big enough. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I sure don't <laughs> want to be doing this by the power lines. Yeah. Whereas the tree guys, this is what they do all the time. They, mm-hmm. they, they can handle it. And, and when you watch them climb your tree and then trim the beast, you know, they tie the, the piece that they're going to cut next and then they cut it and then they kind of slowly lower it to the next guy on the crew mm-hmm. on the ground. Right. So it doesn't hit your house. Let me start that again. So it doesn't hit your house because <laughs> if you're an amateur, you could really do some major damage right. to your, your home so, if you don't know what you're doing this way. So listeners, if you learn nothing from this podcast today, call a tree guy, write that check to your tree dude. Don't yes. do it yourself or you will probably electrocute yourself or crash a tree into your house. Yes. Those, those are potential <laughs> outcomes or, or have it land on you and or you get the trip to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's good. It's, it's way more it. fun to watch it to you guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. So kind of shifting gears a little bit, would you say your gardening vibe is more come along and ride on the fantastic voyage or more going off the rails on a crazy t- train? Mm, it's somewhere in between. And sometimes, okay. it's, and sometimes it's a little bit of both when, when it's all like happening and everything's blooming in the spring. Wow, man, it is like the fantastic voyage. It is just incredible because it's like, wow, who, who knew that there were so many different shades of pink. Right. And wow, they really must've planned this to have this, like, oh, it's going to be all flowery here. And then it's going to be flowery there. And then it's going to be flowery over there. And that's really cool. Cause I I don't know that I could have planned it that well. Mm -hmm. Um, But then going off the rails on the crazy train is like when everything, the end of summer, if we haven't trimmed anything down and you walk out in the yard and the different plants are slapping you in the face because the branches have grown so low right. yeah that, that's going off the rails on a crazy train <laughs> or like last like this past january we had this this big snowstorm nine inches of snow wow over the course no, of thank you on no, january you. 3rd <laughs> yeah that was that was not a good time it just weighed all the branches on the bushes and the trees down so so much at first it was beautiful but then there was more and more and more snow came down. It was wet, heavy snow. My yard didn't take it so much in the shorts. My nice next door neighbor, she had all these great bushes in her front yard, but they were all kind of 
you know, normally they're up and they're kind of like, eh. they were splitting <laughs> and it was going off the rails on the crazy train because, you know, it, you know her branches are in the street or branches are blocking her car in, right, the, right. in the driveway. There's branches all over her front yard and her, her poor bushes. By the end of the summer, they were looking okay again. But at the beginning <laughs> of the year, oh man. That sounds a little bit like the bushes that are outside of my um, my front door right now. Like you have to turn yourself sideways to get between them. It's a, it's a lot going on. Do you grow any, do you have a garden right now, Nancy? Do you grow anything at present? What, like, any, um, like vegetables? Like vegetables, fruit? No, and no. None of my plants are, I don't know. I take that back. One of my, I think one of my trees is a cherry tree. Oh. Whatever fruit comes off of it, that that's, that's my gift to the birds and the squirrels and whatever else can reach them. It's nature's tax. <laughs> well and, 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 and you know what then that way you don't have to worry about is it edible for me mm-hmm. are they getting too you know have I picked them too early mm-hmm. have I left them too late the animals just seem to know I have a, a funny cherry tree story with Marcella um, Mar- Marcella and I were traveling around and we were always being gifted like bags and bags of cherries right? Yes. <laughs> and, and so we I mean we like every every place we went we were in the Balkans and we were mm-hmm. gifted but bags and bags of cherries and so so many cherries so many cherries and so our our, our guide told us we you know we were like hey would you like a cherry because we were getting like a million pounds of them and he was like no there are worms in these and we were like what do you mean there are worms in these and so Marcella would not <laughs> eat any cherries after being told that there were worms in them we I don't know confirm or deny it but that is my cherry story with Marcella I don't know, yeah, maybe they're worms. You know, is it a problem? Are they protein worms or are these parasite worms that are just going to like take root in your gut? Nancy, I, mean, I did I, not want to find out. I'll be honest. Mar- with Marcella, you. Did, Marcella did not want to find out, but I am still alive after I accidentally brought a bag of cherries back from the Balkans to the Middle East. And so I smuggled something and it was cherries, but I'm still here <laughs> in jail and I'm still alive. So there were so many cherries. <laughs> and so, what's some advice that you can give to a new gardener that may have found themselves with a a difficult yard or a difficult landscape see it for the blessing that it is mm. because not everybody gets to have a yard not everybody gets to look out the window and and, and see green sounds like you two are fortunate that you do I, I know that I am I mean if I don't know how I would have kept my sanity during COVID if I wouldn't have had mm. green to go out and look in a yard to go out and work in that to be able to watch the animals that really is a stress reducer. It's calming. You know, I, I never thought I'd be a bird person, for example, who were all these old people and why were they always watching the birds? <laughs> what's up with that? Well, I can tell you what's up with it now, at least for me, they're not worried about, do they look weird? Do the other birds like them? You know, they just go out, they do their thing. They play their games with each other. They just enjoy flying. And, and, and there's just so much joy in watching them. You know, who knows if they feel joy, but man, they, they, they look like they're enjoying life. Like they're not worried mm-hmm. about it, even on the worst days. Mm-hmm. And they're all puffed up trying to stay warm. They have faith they're going to make it. You can mm-hmm. see it. And they, the same birds come back every year. It's a blessing to be able to, to have animals and plants in your yards Mm -hmm. and if you're someone who can grow fruit and and get vegetables and fruits out of your yard oh my gosh that too is is a blessing as a kid we we had vegetable gardens and I'm kind of scarred from that experience and I don't know that I'll do that ever again (laughs) as an adult well, it was very nice having you today to talk People about your, your experience because, you know, it's a, definitely a different experience than what I have in my mm-hmm. little crazy gorilla garden I have going on. And then mm-hmm. Maricela's got 
maybe a house full of dead plants. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's I, it's I, true. I do. I try yeah. to help her keep them alive. And I don't know how that goes either. Cause my house plants, <laughs> they're looking real sad right now. Yeah. <laughs> house thank plants you. are a whole nother animal. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. But thank you. It sounds like you have yes. a beautiful yard. Like the way I'm imagining just it's, you know, all the nature and the ecosystem and the way that you've been able to take what you were given and kind of make something really beautiful and enjoyable out of that. So that's mm-hmm. a really, really, really good yeah. story. And so yeah. where can listeners follow you? You have um, a blog, correct? Yes, I do. I have a, a blog on um, on Substack. It's called Heal the Leader. Uh, a couple of stories of uh, what I've learned from gardening and how how I apply it to management and leadership because there are some things to be learned from that. You know, we, we can't, you know, we say a lot of things like bloom where you're planted for people. But if you've done any amount of gardening, caring for house plants, you know, that doesn't work unless you're a weed. And then nobody wants it. True. I, I don't want that. the weeds. That, I, don't I don't want the weeds either. that I have. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It was so good to meet you. Um, and we've learned so much from you. So thank you. Thank you again for coming. So thank yes. you, ladies. Thanks for having me. Thank you. We'll put the information how to get to your blog on in the show notes. So if you would like to learn more about English Ivy and how gardening relates to management and toaster geckos and make sure you hit Nancy up. So thank you, Nancy, <laughs> for being on the show today. This has been the CD and Shady AF podcast. Thanks to all the peas in our pod for listening. We believe in you and we believe in your plan. Follow us for more shenanigans on Instagram at CD and Shady Pod. Until next time, stay seedy, stay shady. And remember, sketchy gardening is still gardening.